and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show, brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org, a great place to go and get all of your progressive Christian resources. Hope that you will check them out on social media and us as well. Today we're talking about John Wick Chapter 4, and it ought to be mm. a lot of fun. And so I can't talk about John Wick Chapter 4 without my good buddy Mark Sandlin. How are you doing today, Mark? I am doing great. I am. This, I think this is just going to be a very fun conversation, so I am, I am ready for us to dig into this, man. <laughs> uh, me too. And so we should warn you that as we're digging into this, we're also going to be spoiling it for you. Because mm-hmm. this is a spoiler full zone. And so if you <laughs> haven't seen John Wick Chapter 4 and you're dying to know how the John Wick series concludes, just know that you're going to find out right here. Yes, and we're going to spoil it for you and we're going to do it while we're drinking. And so ah, I, like I can't wait to hear what you're drinking today, Mark. What do well, you, you got? Know, last week I had no idea when I went with my favorite drink, a bourbon neat with no trim, no accoutrement, no ice had no idea that this is the go-to drink of assassins. So right? I still had my my semi-expensive bottle that I bought for my birthday. So I couldn't resist, man. I went right back. Like it's in the movie mm-hmm. about every mm-hmm. 10 minutes. So yeah. I had to go that way. I, I didn't have any choice. I didn't have any choice. You what really I didn't. I you really, really didn't. didn't. What, I had to go there. I was very pleased okay. when I, the very first time I saw it on screen, I was like, yes. Yes, I know what I'm drinking. So what okay. what you end up going with, man? So I also noticed that that whiskey of various uh, types were uh, the go-to drink of assassins. And so I decided to go with um, Centauri uh, Toki whiskey, uh, which is one of my favorite. Do you like Japanese whiskey? You like Toki whiskey? I like it. And they have that one in early in the show. Right? I believe that yes, very one is when they're yeah. in Osaka, right? And I so almost I, got that. I came close. Yeah. And so I, I noticed that and I thought, hey, that's my favorite Japanese whiskey. And so I made a Toki old fashioned with my very nice, Japanese sir. Whiskey. I love Cheers. your choice. I, I love your choice even better than mine, quite frankly. It's a great choice. Well, you know, I let's let's drink this, Mark. I, yeah. It's the drink of assassins. I don't know that it's mm. going to make us assassins because I feel like we've both had I, I uh, quite a few samplings to I, prove that I, it's. And it's I, yeah, I'm so. clearly too much of a pacifist for that. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Cheers. Let's come back. Let's geek out about John Wick Four. John Jesus show you're in our geek out segment and so we're going to be talking as Caleb has already told you we're going to be talking about a John Wick 4 uh, and so at this point we're assuming you don't mind the spoilers and I don't know maybe you're like me uh, who has not watched any of the John Wicks until this or maybe you're like Caleb I don't know and and need a refresher a little reminder because mm-hmm. these were kind of spread out so I'm going to very quickly let us all kind of catch up on what's going on So in the first movie, John Wick comes out of retirement as a hitman after his wife dies and his dog is killed by Russian gangsters, and he sets out to seek out revenge on the gangster boss and his henchmen. Then in the second movie, John Wick is again forced to return to his old life when he's called on by Italian crime lord to repay a debt. He travels to Rome. He has to fight his way through countless assassins. In the third movie, John Wick is now on the run after being declared excommunicado by a council of crime lords called the High Table, and he has to fight his way through countless assassins in order to avenge no. against the High Table. It's crazy, right? And then in this, the final movie, Wick, who has this large bounty placed on his head, continues his quest for vengeance against the High Table and has to finally, in hopes of finally buying his freedom. And to do so, he has to, you guessed it, fight his way through countless assassins, and in this case, also confront new adversaries as well as an old friend who is forced to become a deadly foe. So, 
Caleb, as the only one of us here who could even loosely be considered an aficionado of John Wick, oh, that I, I do it. a reasonably good job covering what those movies were about. Yeah, I think I think you hit the highlights there. Uh, okay. As I said last here's week, the point uh, I, here's the okay, point I want to okay. make about that, though. Yes, I, I I'm glad that you feel like I kind of hit the high points. I want to just let everyone know I hit the high point of four movies with eight sentences. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> wait, so what were you going to say? Wait, are you? I was going to say exactly that. That. <laughs> Maybe like uh, substantial character development and, uh, you know, an enticing plot and a plot development maybe no. isn't the strong suit of John Wick. Uh, but right. I don't think that's probably why people are watching. I, I think you're right. Uh, and, and I'm not the only one. I'm glad to see Nathan Hall, yeah. who's, who's uh, watching along this live broadcast, and say he's not seen any of those either. Uh, I just, yeah. for those, all the others that are either listening or watching, I think this is going to be a fun show, whether you watch them or not. And I promise you, as we have both kind of pointed out, the storylines are so basically thin, mm -hmm. even if we spoil the storylines. There's so much that goes on in these movies. You can listen to what we talk about today and still really enjoy the movies. Wouldn't you say so? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not... It's not about the plot, uh, although I it kind of is. But I think it's about the uh, the choreography, the fight choreography wow. that's stunning. I think it's yeah. about the cinematography. I think it's about the quality of uh, uh, not the storytelling they're doing, but the the yeah. way they're incorporating fight scenes and trying to yeah. uh, to to do that in a way that's really unparalleled honestly, in a lot of modern. It, honestly, it feels like you're watching someone play a video game. Is what this really <laughs> feels like. I'm sitting <laughs> there watching. And like every time that like there's a fight scene, you're like, oh, level up, next fight scene. And then you, you watch them do the fight scene. <laughs> How can scene it be more like, intense? Oh, new boss, <laughs> level up, new fight scene. I mean, it's kind of crazy. But it really is. I, 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 my hopes were not high going into this. Uh -huh, I'm just going to yeah. be real. Yeah. It is one of the most visually stunning things I have mm -hmm. ever watched on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. If you simply, like if you could pause the movie in the theater, you could have randomly paused it anywhere. And it is beautiful. Like it is. Mm -hmm. the, the, one of the things that, that the lighting on this mm -hmm. thing is, it's crazy how well lit everything is. Uh, the colors that they use, the framing that they use, every, every, every frame is almost a work of art. It's just unbelievable are the I, I i only watched the recap of one two and three to on youtube to find out what was going on so i'd be ready for this are the others as visually stunning uh as this one is they are and i think that's one of the things that grabbed uh, grabbed people right away so i was i was introduced to john wick only about like six months ago the you know the first three had been made they were on some streaming service and i too had zero expectations and i'm like yeah. Wow, that was uh, that was kind of fun, and I was like hooked. And I think in the same way, Mark, that you described uh, this movie as one where every time you're kind of leveling up. I think oh. each movie has kind of been like that too. Oh, like okay. John Wick One is kind of the base level, and then it's like I don't know how they can level up from that, and then they do. And the se and so like on Rotten Tomatoes, each one of the John Wick movies has been rated higher. Than really? the one before it, hmm. yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, John Wick one was, uh, I think, around 85, 86 percent, and you worked your way up, and to this one that is at sitting at 95 percent uh, fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. And wow. so I think, in the same way that in the movie, you're like, how could any scene be more intense <laughs> than the one I just saw? You have a brief respite where there are a few one-liners. And then you mm -hmm. go back immediately into the action and somehow it has leveled up. The movies very much feel like that as well in terms of, uh, in terms of what's going on, locales, locations, yeah. and uh, and I, I would say cinematography and lighting and stuff too. Oh, the cinematography is incredible. And then also visually, the, the fight scenes, they are beautifully choreographed mm -hmm. and impossibly fluid for a fight. It is it is yeah. almost like ballet at times. It is so, that, don't get me wrong. It's some of the most intense fighting you're ever going to mm -hmm. see. 
on screen. Right. There was a there was a yep. gentleman sitting next to me. I, the, it it ended up making me a little bit uncomfortable because there was a guy sitting next to me. I'm a little surprised hearing his conversation with the person he was there with that he wasn't wearing his MAGA cap. And every time <laughs> he was metaphorically wearing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He all but was. And when the most horrific things happened, he was giggly like a kid happy about it. Like when the ones oh, that made me kind of yeah. go, ooh, God. Oh, he was yeah. just giggly and like <laughs> like he was a really mm. a little like frighteningly thrilled at how graphically horrific what just happened was and that does oh, happen interesting. So it's important yeah. that, it's important that people know while i just described this as beautifully choreographed and impossibly fluid for mm -hmm. fight scenes mm -hmm. it's also there are moments where the gore and, and the absolutely horror of what happens to a person is way over the top man. yeah and i think that's i think that's one thing that we see in this one i i think we see it throughout the john wick series but i think we see it even more in this one and in fact i was mm -hmm. reading one commentary that was saying that this movie struck the perfect balance of being over the top and almost making a commentary on how over the top the John Wick mm. series has been without mm. being quite too much, which I think means to me that this is the right place to end John Wick's story because yeah. I'm not sure. I, I think that whenever you're constantly talking about ways to level up, level up, level up, you eventually right. hit a point where there's no way to level up without making mm. it significantly worse. So I, I feel like this is probably the right place to stop. Well, yeah. John but one of the things that I did that, that kind of threw me off, there's a, there's a few yeah. things in this movie that you, you really have to just kind of just roll, roll with. Uh, one, yeah. I'm going to two, two particularly that stood yeah. out for me that it did ultimately, I think I would have been better off if I had at least watched one of the earlier movies because early yeah. on in the movie, there's these fight scenes, and, and I've heard mm -hmm. it called gung fu instead of kung fu, gung fu, because yeah. there's so many guns while they're guns, yeah. in close combat that are firing off and all this. And yeah. I kept watching these folks, like, they're always also dressed to the nines. I mean, they are in mm -hmm. suits, and and yep. people would be shooting at them, and they would pull their coat suit up, and it, oh, it just yes. keep on going. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> How did they not get, or they put an arm up over their face? Like, yeah. oh, well, that's going to protect. And it took me a little while. And they finally kind of show you that, that it's like uh, Kevlar. Kevlar. Like somehow yeah. Kevlar is flowing like fine silk suits. Like, okay, whatever. But I got to say, that threw me out yeah. a couple of times. And there was there were a couple of moments. And I think this one is the one that most shows, like, what I did have some issues with in terms of yeah. directing and how much the suspension of disbelief they were expecting from us. But mm -hmm. beyond the fact that there's no human person that could go through the torture and the bodily injury and get up and then walk around and run and fight again. Beyond that, yeah. there's these, there's these weird, like one of the most intriguing fight scenes. There's a lot of intriguing fight scenes. I've never seen anything like it is the one in the dance club, right? Where uh -huh. It's a dance mm -hmm. club that also has waterfalls. And then there's a uh -huh. really cool, uh, intriguing uh, uh, character killer who's uh, uh -huh. a, a, in a fat suit really and uh -huh. is this really engaging character and there's all these fights going on and they uh -huh. are intense fights and the whole time you know you're hearing club club music going right. on and all uh -huh. these people in the background in the midst of these horrific fights and gunfire just dancing and having a good time like like you know it's, i'm it's glad like, you brought that up that struck me in the same way uh and, and then the crazy thing is so you get this long yep. fight scene with them doing that. And when the fight scene ends and starts to transfer outside as they are trying to, as, as yep. the fighters are leaving, all of a sudden everybody's scared and running out of the buildings to get in their car. It's like, wait, you waited till the fight was over. <laughs> and it's <laughs> not like it's just a, an ordinary fist fight. I mean, no. they, are, they are graphically killing each other. Following yeah. stories and... Right, taking head dives off of stairs into other stairs and landing on your head like horrific stuff, and they're all uh -huh. just kind of having a good time. But yeah. then all of a sudden, when it's over, they all get scared and run out of the building. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, somebody needed to be like, nah, 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 that doesn't work, that does not work. I mean, am I, am I, 
Am I asking no. too much from a movie like this? Just a, a little bit. Of I mean, I, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're asking us to suspend a lot of disbelief. Uh, you know, of course, uh, suspension for, of for disbelief. This. They're clearly right. asking for that. But yeah, I mean, that was that was a moment that was a little over the top, and uh, I mean, certainly you see them completely unfazed as they're dancing, yeah. and so I, I, I mean, I was thinking about that, and I, I was curious to ask you, like, were do you think that they were the directors were trying to say something about? being desensitized to violence or uh, do you think there was any kind of commentary in that or do you think they just thought it looked cool for people to be dancing in the background uh, as as they were fighting? I think they thought it would look cool and that it would also underscore that this is kind of one of those clubs where, where you know, you've got the mafia kind of folks that are there already so it doesn't surprise them when something breaks out. I think yeah. that's part of what was going on. I mean, the director is a really interesting director. He was... Uh, Originally, Kinu Wee's body double in uh, Matrix, so he's he's a stunt man, uh, and, yeah. and so I, I think the idea of of making commentary on violence, uh, unless he has changed dramatically in his life, yeah. which I don't think is the case. I think it's really not real to think maybe they were trying to make a commentary on how desensitized yeah. we are. To I just don't see that being the case. I think they were really yeah. trying to say. This is just a, that kind of club. Like people aren't surprised. At this. They're going to have a good time anyway. You know, as the building burns down, we're still going to have a good time because this happens. This stuff happens. But you know, but when until they, all they start wait. running out afterwards, that's when it, I was kind of like, okay, now I don't buy it. Like you having them run out afterwards is the thing actually that was more disturbing to me. It's like, <laughs> okay, it's a dark club, and they don't. They're just living the best life anyway. But yeah. then they run out when the fight finishes. It's like, what? Oh, come on. You can't expect me to buy into it at this point. So that was quite a fight scene. But, Mark, did you have a favorite fight scene? Like, what was your favorite? Because, as you said, there were all these different levels of it. Did you yeah. have a favorite one? Uh, the the fight around the arc uh, where, in the cars, where the cars are always going and nonstop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that was probably my favorite uh, fight scene. I mean, the one where we almost get a, a non-stop shot and we go overhead and we watch him moving through build. that oh, was also yeah. really well done i thought that was in yeah the scene that everyone seems to love i got tired of real fast the last one on the stairs the stairs that every was mine they, i, every time I they like fell that down, i was like oh come yeah. on and then they fall down. Oh, he's always at the top. Oh, I bet he's going to fall down again. Oh, there he goes. I, I, so that was your favorite one. You like that one. I liked it. Yeah. I right, mean, it was enough. intense. And I mean, you you, see, you get all that. the way up there and he, and he no. falls all the way back down. <laughs> so <laughs> many times he falls <laughs> like I, I feel the frustration. Though. I mean, I felt... I felt genuinely like I was exhausted watching all that. I mean, so one, I, I would feel super sorry if John Wick yeah. were a real person and trying to make it up there. But I felt sorry for Keanu Reeves. I thought this had to be exhausting to film. Oh, to, How did well, they film absolutely. this thing? Absolutely, <laughs> and, man. Yeah, and there's uh, no way. I mean, after everything his character has been through in that day, and I, I can't remember, 256 stairs or whatever it was, and yeah. then he falls down them so many times. I mean, the fall alone would prevent anybody from getting up and going back up them again. But he's had like these horrible battles, and now he's Mark, still. I don't know. Mark, you're forgetting yeah. about the fancy suit. You know, the, the fancy suit protects the fancy yes, suit. The fancy it, suit it protects him. Protects him. <laughs> it just protects him, man. Don't ask right. too many questions about it. He's got the suit. Yeah, fair enough. What, what more well, do you need? I mean, there's so many more things about John Wick Four that I would love to kind of like pick your brain. Like, for instance, we didn't even miss mention Mr. Nobody or the tracker, who was an yeah. interesting character, and I really yeah, liked the way they, they used him and his dog. But uh -huh. you know, we we've blabbered on, we geeked out enough at this point. Okay. We, we really we really need to get a little more serious uh, and put our sights on some theological and political topics that uh, we felt like came up in this movie and uh, talk about that a bit. So we're going to have a okay. quick drop. And we'll see everybody on the other side. Oh, 
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we're talking about John Wick, Chapter 4. We have geeked out about it, and now we're moving into our segment where we're talking about the theology and politics. And you may have, if you've ever seen a John Wick movie, think, hmm, what on earth are they going to talk about in John Wick that is theological and political? And uh, That would be a fair question. <laughs> that would be a fair question. <laughs> but we're going to do our best. Okay, because there isn't a ton of plot. No. It's pretty thin. As we heard just a few moments ago, Mark so wonderfully narrated for us the plot of four movies in eight in sentences. Eight sentences. <laughs> Two sentences per movie. Thank you, yep, Mark. That was exactly. great. So there's not a lot of plot. It's thin. But there are some great one-liners between um, mm. action sequences. Fair. How they hold up theologically, I don't know. But I want to throw some of these at you, Mark. And okay. See, well, right. let's see what your Yeah, see what your perception right. of some of these are. All right. So um, one of them that we get early in the movie this go-round is mm -hmm. the statement... None of us can escape who we are. We fundamentally are who we are. No, no, we can't escape who we are. We're kind of prepositioned to act in certain ways. I want to know, is that true? Uh, I am not a fan of that kind of fatalism. I mm. just am not. Uh, and as a, oh. a Christian minister. And a Presbyterian. And a Presbyterian <laughs> who is supposed to believe in that kind of crap. I mean, the kind of theology. Um, I have to say that kind of fatalism runs over and against everything that I think is important about theology. And one of the key elements that I think that, that theology is only useful if it contains is hope. And that fatalism destroys hope, destroys the idea as we were beginning to roll into Easter here, the idea of, of new life, of life after the little death deaths of what uh, the world can feel like and be like. The, uh, the idea that we can always improve ourselves, that we can always be working towards a more hopeful future, and part of that is a better self. Yeah, I, I don't buy into that line. How about, how about you? I mean, is that, where do you fall? I suspect we're not too far apart. Uh, of course, uh, yeah. Um, I think it depends on how you take the line. Uh, mm. You know, I think if if we're talking about that we are destined to behave in a certain way and there's nothing that we can do to change it, then right. I think that that's fundamentally untrue. That yeah. uh, we we see over and over again that no matter what it is that it, that we have done or what's in our circumstances, that we can overcome that and we can work to be better human beings. In fact, that's what Christian faith is about. Um, sure. But I think if we're talking about who we are fundamentally as a person, then there's maybe some truth to it. That um, So I think sometimes we try to run away from who we are because people tell us that we're not who we're supposed to be. And so I'm thinking particularly if we're talking about sexual okay. orientation or gender okay. identity, um, that if we're talking about trying to escape some of those things that some Christians have said are sins, yeah. that... Uh, no, those those aren't sins, and those are fundamental yeah. truths about ourselves that that we can't escape. That yeah. that are a, that are fundamentally a part of who we are. To be clear, I don't think that's what they were talking about in John. Not Wick. at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but yeah. but I think if we're talking about um, but I think if we're talking about things in our if we're talking about who we are fundamentally as human beings, and there are some things that we that we can't escape. I think yeah. in in John Wick, they're clearly talking about behavior. And they're clearly yeah. talking about uh, circumstances in life. in life. And if we're talking about that, then I think that that you're 100% right. So one of the other scenes that grabbed me, Mark, in one of these mm -hmm. uh, one-liners was uh, John Wick sitting in the church. And yeah. it's towards the end of the movie. And he has come back into his family of uh Gangsters, family, have, adopted family, right? right yeah, uh, who who happen to be gangsters and gangsters. assassins. Hit, hit them. Uh, I mean, as that. one does, as one does, as one does. You know, you choose the family you choose. You know, what are you gonna do? Uh, and so that's who he has chosen. Mm -hmm. And so he's sitting in the church that is their base, and he uh, I, decides to say uh, to light a candle for his wife. Um, yes. And so he's sitting there with Cain 
who the table, the big bads in in this part of the series uh, mm-hmm. have have hired. Kane is who they have hired to kill John Wick, along with a bunch of other assassins, but Kane in particular. Okay, and who, who, and who so, is a good friend of his and is forced. He's the person I talked about at the you know, yes. an old friend who is forced to become a deadly foe. That's Kane. That's Kane, and who's yeah. blind, and uh, uh, so they're sitting there, and Kane says to John Wick saying goodbyes and john wick replies i'm saying hello and kane replies do you think she can hear you he's lighting it ready uh, lighting a candle for his dead wife and he says no and then kane says then why bother uh and wick says maybe i'm wrong and so implying that she right. she can hear him. So yeah. what do you make of this scene, Mark? And I, I'm curious because you and I have talked about this a, a few yeah. times about uh, Christian thoughts on the afterlife. And where do you think yeah. that's that's headed? Because uh, I, I know I've heard you talk uh, some, Mark, about how, um, you know, traditional notions of the afterlife leave something to be desired. However, leaving nothing uh, no thoughts of the afterlife leave right. something to be desired as well. And so I'm, I'm curious, Mark, as you've been thinking through this, uh, where do you think we're headed in thinking about the, the afterlife as Christians? I, I think that we're going to be heavily influenced by a lot of the work that's being done in science, frankly, hmm. uh, mm. about the continuation of Energy. I love this. That's not where I thought you were going to go, and I love that. <laughs> I, yeah. I really do think this is where we're going to end up. At least, at least, going to be part of it. It's like the continuation of energy, and are beginning to understand that we're not the only universe. That there are parallels that run alongside of us, uh, and we're beginning early right now to see that there might be some gaps there where there is some openness between whatever it is. These, I'm going to call them universes, parallel universes, but it could be alternative universes. I believe that there is something as we move forward that I, I don't like the theology of I'm doing it because maybe I'm wrong, because that's kind of a, mm-hmm. a very conservative, hey, uh, you better be a good person because what if you're wrong about hell? I don't really like that. But I do like the thought of I don't understand the afterlife. And so I'm, I'm not going to just live in the one thing I believe right now. I'm going to be open to the possibilities that I could be wrong. Um, I, I like that approach right now about what the afterlife is, that there is a different way that maybe she does hear him. Not the way we think of it in a physical way, but mm-hmm. maybe there is something in this, in some alternate universe that we're beginning to understand, have the, just the, tiniest understandings of that allows that person to sense something positive has come from this universe from someone i because i believe so desperately in our connectedness and, and it goes into quantum theory and and, and and that kind of thing i believe we're so connected that, that it's impossible to lose that connection uh, mm. as energy continues so I, I think there's some hopefulness but we're so early on in understanding how to describe where do you go with that? Yeah, I I think this is one of those things that I'm kind of agnostic about in terms mm. of the afterlife, uh, and uh, that in in a simple fact that there's no knowing, you know. And yeah. so I try to uh, meet people where they are with that because they're as likely to be yeah. right as I am. Except that Absolutely. I don't think that that what we're talking about when we're talking about an afterlife is golden mansions in the sky. I, I don't I don't think there's much evidence that there is anything like that in terms yeah, of right. afterlife. I I think I'm much more drawn to the idea of the the energy that you're talking about or or the the dust particles that are in us, you know, us being right. the, the dust of the stars, as mm-hmm. Carl Sagan has said, right? We are we're formed from stardust. And I think the fact that the atoms in our body live on in, in different ways, I mean I it's literally reincarnation, right? The the atoms in our body literally become something else. Something else. So I'm, and I I think there's um there is something to the fact that 
we we live on uh, through those memories of loved ones, and that whenever we tell stories about the people we love, that they are still with us. And so I, I think ultimately that afterlife is beyond our understanding, and I'm agnostic about it, but hopeful in, in some ways too. So I appreciate that that clarification, Mark. So I want to throw one more one-liner at you while, right. while I've got you in this segment. I've got we'll time see. for one more. <laughs> All okay. right. So um, one of the things that kept coming around, and it was in the first part of the movie and the second mm-hmm. part of the movie, okay. was the articulation that how you do anything is how you do everything. And I, again, a one-liner that, that sought to convey some kind of great meaning to John Wick. I want to know, is that true? Mark, how you do anything is how you do everything. Uh, no, come on. <laughs> Come on. What what a bunch of malarkey. I mean, of course not. I mean, life is complex. We You're channeling every- Joe Biden. I just had a Joe Biden flashback <laughs> when you a used malarkey. the word malarkey. A malarkey yeah, yeah, you're not yeah, well, you're not drinking Irish whiskey, are you? <laughs> I, I wish no, I would. it's no, bourbon. Actually, I, I, it's always bourbon with me. If I have an option, I'm going to go I, I almost went with okay. the Japanese because it's very good. I like the the balance between the bourbon and the scotch that you get with an Irish, but no, um, I I really just think that's, that's a ridiculous, it's a romantic idea to some degree that that's a reality, but no, everything you do has different priorities in your own life. Everything you do impacts other people in different ways. And if you care about that stuff, you're going to be paying attention to it. Um, from a personal standpoint, how how important it is might change the way that you do it. It's just a reality. I am very, very meticulously, obsessively organized in certain things. And other things, I'm just not. Sometimes it's because I think the creative process is a lot more important in that area than being meticulously organized. Sometimes it's just it just doesn't have that higher priority in my life. So I'm not going to put that much time and value into it. But sometimes it's all about how what I'm doing is going to impact other people. And if you care about that, if it's not going to impact other people, you might handle it in one way. When you know that it's going to impact one person, you might handle it in a different way. When you know it's going to be so many people, you might make different choices. So for me, just from a purely straight up logical point of view, that is such a ridiculous line. I mean, oh, my God. What, I mean, what did you think when you heard it? Malarkey! <laughs> I use the word. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think if I'm going to give uh, the John Wick writers, such as they were, uh, uh, the benefit of the doubt here, I, I you know, I think what they're trying to communicate is that what you value uh, on a large scale comes, yeah. uh, it, it can be seen in what you do in small ways. And um, I think I, I think if we're talking generally about the values that what we do in small ways, how we behave in small ways does reflect larger values that we have. And so, you know, if we say that we want to love our neighbors and then uh in interpersonal relationships, you know, discriminate against people because of, say, race mm-hmm. or sexual orientation or gender identity or culture or whatever it is, or, uh, you know, physical or mental ability. Or if we advocate for passing legislation that hurts those people, even though we are saying love our neighbors, then right. in that way, I think it's true that, you know, even though we're saying one thing, uh, we're mm-hmm. behaving in a way that's different. It's the the little things that uh, that really prove whether or not we really believe the things we say that we do. Again, I think I'm giving the writers of John Wick more credit than they deserve. <laughs> I think overall, if we're talking yeah. about the substance of John Wick, malarkey. Hey, I've got a lot of <laughs> other questions I want to ask uh, you, Mark, and I really <laughs> want to hear you say malarkey more. But uh, <laughs> here's the thing. If yeah, we do that we're not going to be able to get into our oh. last segment. And we've That's got to, right? Mm. Because it's a make me look mm. stupid segment. And <laughs> I can't wait to see how you're going to make me look stupid today. So let's take a, a real <laughs> quick break. Listen to the music. Come back for make me look stupid. <laughs>
the final segment of the Moonshine Jesus Show, where we commence to try to make each other look stupid. And, you know, we don't always try to make each other look stupid. We just try to ask fun questions and see if we can maybe stump the, our, our co-host. Or sometimes we just know that there's questions that aren't going to come up in the discussion, and we really want to talk about them. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. We, we finished the last segment uh, just a few minutes early, not much. So here's what I would like to do. I, mean, I have a question for you. And then if I have uh, several questions, frankly, I was pleased that you asked ah! my questions. <laughs> yeah, I've got stuff. five questions for you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to ask you a question. And then if you don't ask me a question that steals this other question, it's not a make me look stupid question, really. But I would like us to answer the question anyway, because I think it would be fun okay. and interesting and intriguing and might be a nice okay. way to end the show. So my question to you is, is John Wick really dead? Oh, this is the big question of the series. Um, I, Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, I think that depends on how they do at the box office and how Keanu, how Keanu feels about doing another one on whether or not John uh, John Wick really is dead. Do you think there's a chance I think, he's not dead? I, I think there's a chance. I think they could they could bring him back. I, so did you stay for the post credit scene too, Mark? I, I did not. I was so done at that point. But I have read about no, it. So I, I, think, I, I think it's worth noting that of the theater – only me and one other guy stayed for the post credit scene. Right. So there wasn't, there didn't seem to be a huge appetite for that or, right. uh, or perhaps uh, people were tired after three hours or yeah. um, people didn't think there was going to be a post credit scene or whatever. So they also left the, left it open that, you know, the daughter who was the concierge at the Osaka uh, mm-hmm. concierge or the hotel, the continental hotel yeah. could, uh, you know, go on her own little, revenge uh so that's, she could take uh, it over she could take it over that's a way that john wick could continue in a very different way i obviously. think they've already I think, announced there's going to be a prequel movie that, that doesn't have john they, wick in it so yeah i think that's yeah. already been announced here's here's the thing whether he is or not i think he should be i this has been yes. this series has been going on for about 10 years it mm-hmm. if it were i think they'll probably try to make as much cash as they can but if we're talking about actually ending the series i think this is a really good place to end it with him dying he's gotten out he's gotten his revenge and uh i i think it's a good place to end it but i i don't know i think it'll depend on whether or not they can convince keanu to come back or not uh so yeah. i think it's certainly possible that he was rushed to the hospital they got the bullets out and they faked his death so that he could live a life in peace uh what do you think I, I, I think that they intentionally left it exactly what you said. Uh, when you look at the grave, when, when they went to the grave, uh, what was it? It was the Bowery King and um, Winston went there. Mm-hmm. They weren't particularly sad, it was, which I found odd. Um, uh, and I, I don't know. It, it just felt like there was something else going on. Uh, uh, the, the the Bowery King, he has his dog with him. And there's one moment where his dog, they made it, it was intentional. They made you see the dog move its head like it heard something. And I was like, so is that Wick in the distance watching his two old friends gently say goodbye because they know that they really can't see him anymore because this was the way they're giving him his real freedom. I feel like that they have very intentionally set it up so that if they were to decide to, they could do it or bring him in, like have the concierge start to be her story, but maybe he becomes the old sage that she sneaks Mm -hmm. off to from time to time. I feel like they kind of set it up that way. I don't know. Possibly. Possibly. All right. Your turn to make me look stupid. (laughs) Okay. So, the whole purpose of these John Wick films is mm-hmm. uh, for John Wick to seek revenge. As you so eloquently stated earlier uh, in one right. sentence to summarize the first movie, 
<laughs> they kill his dog and he gets met they're they're emotional his his wife who died gave him the dog and so right. the the dog is like his source of emotional support and connection to his wife and stuff like that and so there's there's a real reason why why he gets back into oh, yeah. it but ultimately he gets back into it for revenge for for killing a dog and he goes through and and kills a whole bunch of people and in this movie as we're we've seen at this point uh you know this the fourth film of yeah. john wick getting his revenge um winston says where will it end and so i think in that there's uh, you know an assumption that no revenge is ever enough and so right. I, I i'm curious to know mark uh, I need I need your help as a, a clergy person. Uh-huh. I need to know like what the, what the Bible says about revenge, and I, I need to know if it's uh, you know uh, it's human nature to want revenge. But is there something healthier that we can do in return? What should John Wick have done? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what Mark Chandler were making the theological John oh Wick. <laughs> what should he be? What should he he have done whenever his dog died? Oh, well, of course, the uh, you know, we have the Bible pitch telling us. Pitch, yeah, pitch me the okay. movie. Of course, we have. Uh, well, I'll go to. The, I'll try to get to the movie. I, I'm, I'm going to stall a little by answering some of the other questions you threw out there. It was more than a, a one I, I, I threw questions. out several. There, there were several you, questions. You, you see, I didn't even warn you. I just threw them all out. It was fair. It was fair. It was fair. That's fine. So, of course, the Bible tells us to leave revenge to God. Now, depending on your understanding of God, what that actually means, it it doesn't really matter, I think, ultimately, theologically, what it means to leave it to God. What it means is to leave it alone, to let it go, to, to don't feel like you need to have that. So, you know, um, there is also this thing of when someone does something that is harmful and that is uh, hurting other people, at some point, there really does need to be some form of consequences. It doesn't need to be an eye for an eye. Uh, as Jesus said, uh, um, turn the other cheek instead. Now, he wasn't saying be a doormat. He was basically saying use the systems that exist. And we could go into uh, Walter Wink's idea of, of what turn the other cheek really means and how what it is is using the system that exists to make a person respect you and see the wrong that they have done. Um, and so I think that that's where you have to go with a movie like this if you really want it to be effective, because uh, vengeance begets vengeance, hate begets hate. This is not like the, the question of where does this end is a really like one of the most astute moments in the movie, as far as I'm concerned, is it points out that this is a, a, a cycle that you can't break out of unless you handle it a different way. So I, right off the top of my head, I'm not going to have the perfect answer of how you use the system within that this all happened within. But for me, you go to that system, you figure out a way where the person has some consequences, but it's not an eye for an eye type of consequences, uh, where they can understand the damage that they've done and how uh, that there has to be a better solution. But you've had more time to think about this than I have. Well, so I really before want to know I your answer, answer. I, I've got to know your movie pitch. What What is your movie uh, pitch about I, what John Wick does? <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the problem. I, I think you have John Wick has to go uh, back. To, so I didn't watch the first movie, which is part of what's making this hard. And as right. I understand, the first movie didn't have the, the high table so much. It was more of a Russian mm-hmm. mafia. And so you have to use internet. He has to go into, I don't know, man. I'd have to have seen the movie, honestly, to figure out how do you rewrite that movie so that since it's the Russian mafia and he's not actually John Wick actually in the mafia, uh, h- how do you use international law in a way that holds someone accountable for what they did in a way that gives a successful and a satisfying, like they, they had consequences for what they did. It would have to be something in that area, but I, I didn't watch the first movie and frankly, well you've already told me not, that the fourth one you've already told me that the fourth one is so much better than the other ones well, that's and the true. fourth one yeah. was worth watching once but i'm not gonna watch it again so that, that's where i am so i've got to know you okay more time I, I, to consider this. where do you end yes. up on that yeah. Okay. Well, I I think I, I I like the using the systems that are in place. I think ultimately what we discover is that if we're using a biblical notion of what happens, uh, it doesn't particularly make a good movie, right? Nobody right. watches a movie right. where Keanu Reeves 
uh, Keanu Reeves uh, forgives the the people who have killed his right. dog and moves on with his life. And well, I think tries there is a question there: everything. what forgiveness yeah. looks like. Forgiveness doesn't mean mean to lay down and be a doormat. Just like okay, fine, I'll wash my hands of it. Whatever it happened, and I'll get over yeah. it. Like there is some accountability that can come with forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't yeah. mean you let people back in your life who have destroyed you and hurt you and right. made your life. Like it, it does mean that hopefully there is some consequence that the other person lear learns from. Yeah. And the, the 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 go the extra mile, the turn the other cheek. What's really going on there is teaching us that you can be an active part of helping the system to create those consequences, and that that is somewhat important because it does help a person grow so they don't go hopefully don't go and hurt someone else. So forgiveness isn't the weak thing that we too frequently believe, like immediately run to that we just wash our hands and say, all is cool, you know, move on, you know? Unless it's the Russian mob, then I think you you move <laughs> maybe on. Maybe you should. Maybe and, you should. And, and he, I, I think maybe, maybe the fair. Russian mob isn't someone that anyone besides John Wick can Wick really hold, hold accountable. So, but, uh, <laughs> but I think in normal circumstances where you're not dealing with the Russian mob, which which let's face it is going to be all of our circumstances in life, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. It is different. Fair. Okay. I, I, I love it. Hey, thanks Mark for talking about John Wick four. This has been fun. And I it feel has. like we had but, a really good conversation. Uh, it was with, good. You know, but I want to have, okay. I want to, oh, you want to go wanna back. See, I do. Let's, let's yeah. talk about what we're going to watch next week, but then I want to okay. come back with, with a softer question that I think we could have. Some okay. I had forgotten. Uh, finish, yes. We could finish the dialogue with, so next okay. week, uh, uh, the, the mo a movie that's hitting the theaters, that fits in our sci-fi fantasy genres that we'd like to cover, uh, that we've talked about already is Dungeons and Dragons. So mm -hmm. you, do you have a background with Dungeons and Dragons in any way? Not at all. The only experience okay. I've had with Dungeons and Dragons is watching them play it on Stranger Things. But you <laughs> have enough. one, right, Mark? I, I, I played it in high school. I would come home from college on long weekends intentionally to play mm -hmm. it. So I'm excited about this. But kind of my point here is, from what I've read and seen about the movie Dungeons and Dragons, you really don't need to have a background because they, they don't make it an overly serious movie. I think they're going to have mm -hmm. some serious themes. Uh, right now, the, the IMDb description says a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers embark on an epic quest to retrieve a long lost relic. But their charming adventure goes dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. And the previews look kind of fun and funny. Right now, I think it has a, a 90 or a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. This should be a phone for us to, to look at. So those I who are watching... Yeah, so you, make sure you catch it before our next show and tune in. So here's the last, here's where I'd like to finish this. Okay. One of the little moments that happens throughout John Wick 4 is, is, is kind of a fun thing to think about. Where his buddy asks him, what do you want on your tombstone? And at mm -hmm. the end, we see what he wants. And he decides to define himself through his relationship with another person. Uh, loving husband. My question to you is, what do you want on your tombstone? Oh, Mark, I don't know. That's uh, I've I have never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I had when they asked the question, I realized while I was sitting there watching the movie that since there was not much storyline, I had a lot of time to think about. <laughs> Like I was stuck in this one spot. I let that just. I didn't I need to pay attention to the storyline. Yeah. So, all right. So I'll give my okay. answer. To well, be fair, yeah, give you a few it. moments yeah. to take a beat and kind of consider. Yeah, let me think about it. Yeah. So I did. I sat there as it was going. That wasn't. That was in truth, truly the truth. I was watching the movie. I was like, oh heck, I got, I got time. Like there's interesting fight scenes and it's really pretty to watch. But I got time to think because I don't have to follow the storyline here. So my first thing was I realized that I don't want to be necessarily defined by my relationship with other people. While those are very important, that doesn't say who you are. It says who you were to other people. Um, and I don't know. It was a, a lot of things went through my head and I kind of processed. And so I, I think I've arrived at one of two. Either it needs to say, I hope it would say, I hope that people would, would agree it could say a reasonably nice human 
or mm. he tried to be a good human. For me, I think those two things, like there's this reality of I'm trying to be, I'm doing my best, I, but yeah. also a recognition of, you know, I screw up. I'm, it's not always, yeah. I can't always get it right. So yeah. I think that it's one of those for me, I, I, I'm leaning more towards a reasonably good human or a reasonably nice human. Uh, I like but that. he tried to be a good human. I'd be okay with that as well. I'd be okay yeah. with that. Yeah. So uh, there's also just this whole idea of like what what perspective, what angle does it need to come yeah. from? Is it, you know, how you're seen or how you relate to people or I don't know. I mean, what are you? So I've had I've had a moment to process this okay. now. Excellent. And Excellent. Um, so uh, so I'm, I plan to be cremated and to not have a tombstone. And so there will be nothing on my tombstone. And instead, I will rely on the impact that I've had on others, which consequently uh, flows in from my theology of the afterlife that we talked about earlier. That right. it, it has to do with how, how I impacted right. others. And if I live yeah. my life in a helpful way, hopefully others will say what they think ought to have been on my well, tombstone. <laughs> I would be cremated as well. So, uh well, well, well sidestepped. So there. this is all, this that. is uh, this is all irrelevant, Mark. All this that thinking a... you did instead oh, of enjoying the action is... sequences. <laughs> I didn't say it didn't enjoy oh, them. I just said it didn't okay. take a lot of brain power to enjoy. Them. <laughs> I, I, I had time to, to do other exercises. I would just say that this was an interesting exercise. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I appreciate you. Appreciate our time together, yeah. and more importantly, we both appreciate all you folks who have tuned in. Absolutely. Those who are listening to us on the podcast, thank you so much. We cannot wait to see you again on the next Moonshine Jesus. Moonshine Jesus, nobody's sky. Moonshine Jesus.